It's time for another game on a hump day edition of the Podcast Daily. Woody Wednesday, that is Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, I'm Austin Ward. These two guys are waiting to figure out what game it actually is, because it's not a stonk watch. I hope it's a game of life. It's not the game of life. We're playing the feud? We're not playing the feud. We're playing the game, what do you absolutely know about Ohio State? It's back. Okay. These are not, this is not speculation, this is not projection, this is not guesswork. What do you know after five games about Ohio State? Bill? I know that for as much as we talked about it last year and made a joke of it because it was fun to say, this is actually a safety-driven defense this year. Everyone take your shot. Um, That makes sense. (laughs) Ding! Number Number one. one. Number one answer. Good job, Bill. Uh, That position group has been very good for them this year Um, and more versatile than it was a year ago when you have the ability to kind of swap Jordan Hancock and Sonny Styles depending on what teams are throwing at you. I think Lathan Ransom has played great, both in the times he's been challenged in coverage and, and certainly doing what he does coming up and supporting the run. And Josh Proctor has been, like, among the bigger revelations I've seen someone become in a particular season in my time uh, covering this team. It's been awesome to see how much of a difference maker he's been for that position group. Um, and, like, I keep saying, like, stiffer challenges are coming. Like, they're playing a better offense this week. They might test them in different ways. And every time that happens, they kind of answer the bell. So uh, that position group has been great, and I feel like I know that they are reliable, and I know that they are the engine of this defense at the moment. That is fact number one. I like it. I know that, like some other players throughout Ohio State history, when JT2 Malawau leaves this program, he's going to be remembered much more fondly than he is thought of now. Uh, I... I Rewatching that Maryland game on Saturday, just watching what he does. The guy is so good at what he's asked to do. And I think people get sometimes a little bit confused or muddled in, in your perception because he's not being asked to be that dynamic pass rusher every down. All you have to do is watch the two times this year when he's put a spin move on an offensive lineman and he's blown up a play. Watch the way that he handles screens. Watch the way he plays against the run. Watch the way that he contains the edge. Like the guy is an absolute monster at defensive end and i i feel bad sometimes because he doesn't get nearly the flowers he deserves for the way he plays and i think he's a guy that next year people be like man i really wish you had jt tumalo out there Hmm. that's fact number two i love it i know that here's what i know kyle mccord can make every throw that ryan day needs for his passing attack to to flourish marvin harrison jr can run every route that has ever been conceived in football and he can catch can you run the yellow wigwag with a spoon? Have you ever seen him not do that? No, that's a fair point. I mean, come on. He's got everything in his bag. Ameke Buka, Julian Fleming, Kate Stover, they can all operate at a high level. They can run any, any concept. They can run past any defensive back. And the offensive line, for as much as we've talked about them, can pass protect at the level that allows Ohio State to run a Ryan Day passing attack. So I know that Ohio State can continue to lead the Big Ten in passing, which, as Bill said, may not be the greatest achievement in the history of mankind, but that Ohio State can win, can throw the ball enough to beat Penn State, to beat Michigan, and to win a national championship if they lean into their identity. I know that at the end it sounds like it's projection, but I know that the passing attack is good enough and it's only going to get better. And even if you want to look at the small sample size of the first half against Maryland not being great, I don't know that the concepts, the situations that he was put in, put in were ideal. When Ryan Day opens up the playbook fully to Kyle McCord, you see good things happen, and that did in the second half. And I think you're only going to see more of that. 
I know that Ohio State's passing attack is good enough to win every game. I believe it, yeah. I don't know that I believe that they're going to, like, do those things to get to it, but I believe that it's in there. I think I think that is a point well made. Uh, I know that this offense needs Travion Henderson, mm. um, which I don't know that I would have said at the start of the year or Three last week, a couple weeks into it. Yeah, yeah. But, and it's not that he's, like, a bad player, but, like, <clears throat> Maybe I thought of him more as like a replacement level kind of, of running back. And I think he's clearly a step beyond that. And they missed his explosion against Maryland. I, I don't believe that this offensive line is suddenly going to become a group that starts knocking people off the ball. So you're going to need a guy who can make something out of a little bit of space. And like, I don't think Trevian has the best vision in the world, but when he can find that crease, he usually does something with it. And they were missing that desperately against Maryland. And I think they will miss it any game that they don't have him out there. And it's like, Chip Trainum I like and Maya Williams I like, but but I do think that Travion just gives them something different with his ability to hit a home run um, and and make something out of nothing, which at the moment there's not a whole lot for them to find because the offensive line is not blocking particularly well. So he is a more important part of this operation than I have probably given him credit for, and they need him. Hmm. And they will get him back on Saturday against sure will. Uh, I'm going to ask everyone at home to put on your rose-colored glasses for a moment. And I know that Ryan Day is the right head coach to lead Ohio State into the next era of college football and to continue to grow on what this program has been in the last decade, plus last century, plus. Um, and I know people are at times question his approach to things, but I really do know it works with players, with families, with recruits, with the coaches in this building. And I know that I think Ryan Day will face a moment in the next handful of months, six months maybe, where he's gonna have to make some difficult decisions about his coaching staff and what he wants out of his guys to challenge them at a new level to make sure that Ohio State fans embrace him long-term the way they should because he is the absolutely the right guy for this building and for this program, but he is gonna have to make a difficult choice or two in the next couple of months when it comes to the long-term vision of, of the football program. You are right about that fact. But here's another thing that I know about Ryan Day, and that is the 2021 loss to Michigan is still driving him insane. And every time you see him trying to establish the run every single week or lashing out at Lou Holtz or talking about learning his lesson, which he did on Tuesday in his press conference, I know that that's about 2021 Michigan. There are other games that you can lump in. Oregon, uh, you know, Purdue, where they didn't run the ball and it cost them. But the one sequence, the one outcome, is not being able to run the ball effectively in the third quarter at Michigan. And then hearing after the game that he was born on third base. So when he talked last year about the new lease on life and the new approach and going into the Peach Bowl and, and playing loose and aggressive into his personality, I... I don't think that he's actually embraced that fully. I still think he constantly keeps leaning back on people thinking that he's not tough enough, that he has to do things a certain way, that he has to win in a way that is different than his character. And if he's going to be the guy that you're talking about, Burham, which he's going to keep leading Ohio State into the future, I think that he's, I agree that he's right. And you're not, you're not going to get somebody different anyway. But for him to actually win a national championship, to unleash the passing attack that I talked about with my first fact, He's going to have to eliminate that from his consciousness. 2021, is you're not going to get a mulligan on it. 
Yep. You can't fix it. You're not going to be able to go back and rectify it. That team was really good. What could have happened? It's over. It's done with. And you're not going to change people's minds. All you can do is do what you said you were going to do after the 2022 loss and be yourself and get over it. Uh, and that sounds like some harsh criticism, but like there's no good that can keep coming from thinking about 2021. None. I agree. Release it. Let it go. Pick Move it forward. up. Oh, there it goes. There it goes. See, there it is. Wow. By some's 2021. Over, some's over there. By 2021. I mean, I don't know. It was really that, it was yeah. it was a third down and two play that Travion Henderson couldn't get two yards that changed everything about the way Ryan Day coaches since. I, I think you're right. Um, this is let it go, <laughs> let it go. This is like less less of an opinion of mine, but a question that people have been asking about, and there's actually information to give them. So I will say that like I know that these five offensive linemen are your five offensive linemen. Mm. They're not going to make any changes, I don't think, or really entertain the notion of it. Ryan Day was asked on Tuesday, like, hey, in camp, it sounded like Tegra Shabola and Luke Montgomery were, like, kind of nipping on the heels of Josh Fryer and Josh Simmons, like, really had themselves in the thick of that com- competition. And he said, like, yeah, but that's not really the way of it now. And, like, and he said, like, I would welcome it, go out there and do it, make make our decisions a little more difficult than they are at the moment. But he very much, I, without saying the words exactly, he said, like, there's a gap there between what, what is start, who is starting for Ohio State and who could potentially play some more snaps and earn some more playing time and maybe change the configuration of that five down the road. It does not sound like it's going to happen. So I feel like I know that, that this five is your five, for better or worse. Yeah. This, this is your group moving forward, and you have to hope they get better. I'm, I'm in my feelings bag again. There we go. So I'm, I'm sorry about this. <clears throat> um, I know that Julian Fleming doesn't get talked about enough as a leader of the Ohio State football team. We talk so much about Cade Stover. We talk about Tommy Eichenberg, we talk about Steel Chambers, we talk about a lot of other people, but because Julian Fleming is not the guy catching all the passes, he doesn't get mentioned in the same breath. I'm thinking about the Notre Dame game, the you know him running everyone to the line on the after the third and 19 completion. I'm thinking about the way that he celebrated with Chip Trainum after the touchdown on Saturday on the little toss sweep to the to the wide side of the field. I'm thinking about how when Emeka Abuka got hurt on Saturday and was trying to get off the field. It was Julian Fleming who ran over to him saying, get, get down, down yeah. get down. I'm thinking about the, the Peach Bowl when it was Marvin Harrison getting knocked out by a clear targeting that should have been called. It was Julian Fleming who was there with him the entire time until Ryan Day came over. I don't think that people will look back on Julian's career and say, oh, he was everything that you thought he was going to be as a receiver because he was the number one ranked player in the country by no fault of his own i mean you know he earned it but sorry for being such a good athlete he he is still a pretty damn good wide receiver but i think his value to this team last year as the iron buck guy with you know no shoulders but yet still working out more than anybody in the entire program like i think it's guys like that that really make college football special and i i know that we don't talk enough about julian fleming as a leader that's true that's a great fact thanks i know you're okay. That Denzel Burke is the most important part of Ohio State's defense. And I know that I might also be wrong because of the safety-driven defense, but when you have a corner playing at the level that Denzel Burke is, like that's where my attention goes automatically. If you can eliminate half of a side of the field because you can count on that person to use their hands and make plays <laughs> and not, not watch any assignments... Um, <laughs> You know, 
<laughs> put the pen in their hands and you know that they're going to be able to write down whatever you need. That's You want so badly to pick it up. <laughs> That's fine. Just don't I do it. I know where it is. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. He's he's so important. And all the stuff that we talk about with Jim Knowles adjusting and, and blitzing less, like, I, I think the confidence in Denzel Burke is part of what drives that. Now, is it him alone in that? No. Coverage and rush, they work together. Uh, you know, I get all that. But if you don't feel like you have to force a quarterback to make a mistake because you know that ha- half of the re- uh, coverage and responsibilities on one half of the field are going to be uh, locked down, like that changes everything for the rest of the defense. And I think yep. that Denzel Burke's mentality, he's been much more outspoken and vocal. Uh, again, to your point, Berm, with guys who are leading, who are not captains, Denzel Burke, like, man, the way he talks, he's got that edge and he's got guys that want to follow him. And he did not, he definitely did not play that way last year. There was like some swag as a freshman. They're like, oh, this guy's really, really confident in himself. Like, what's this going to look like? Yeah, he didn't stay on that pure upward trajectory straight through his career, but he's now exponentially reaching a level that is really important to Ohio State. And I know that they couldn't win a Big Ten championship or a national championship without Denzel Burke. I think yep. there's also an added layer to that, if I may. You may. Ohio State. Um, BIA, right? That this is a program that, to defensive identity in the last decade, is built on cornerback play. Recruiting at corner has somewhat stagnated until the last cycle, where Tim Walton's doing a great job. Getting another first-round corner back in the NFL is huge for what's next for this program. You have to be able to produce guys like that. And Tim Walton came in here with a lot of accolades and a lot of, you know, Jalen Ramsey talking about, but. To actually have it bear fruit and see the change that has been made in the time with Tim Walton is going to be huge for Ohio State in the class of 2024. It's already been huge in 2024. It's going to be very important in the class of 2025 with key players like Devin Sanchez, the five-star out of Texas, who may very well be down to Ohio State or Alabama or Texas A&M. Like, it's a battle Ohio State can win for a five-star corner from Texas. Mm. Last time that happened was Jeff Okuda, and that turned out pretty much okay. So, like... Mm. There's there's a there's residual benefit to a guy like that emerging and not just, you know, it's it's different because people see it on TV, right? So JT2 Malala, we can sit here and talk about how great he's played, but it doesn't show up in the stat book and it doesn't show up on TV to the to the person watching the game casually or to recruits watching the game casually. What Denzel Burke is doing does, and that that will have impact beyond just this year. Yeah, I think like the play of the safeties is essential for this defense to like do the stuff it wants to do. But to your point, to have a to have a corner like shut down a side of the field and to have basically your two best defensive players be that guy and the guy who lines up right over the ball and Tyleek Williams. Yeah, I think it's pretty important. I think they are the two most important players. Coverage and rush. Coverage and rush working together. You know, Tyleek Williams. Time. You know, you mentioned Josh Proctor as like maybe that biggest revelation of this season, but if there's a guy who's anywhere near him on that conversation, it's Tyleek Williams. And I mean, Tyleek Williams played 73 snaps. Against. The number keeps going up. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you said on Monday? I thought it was 70. 70, 70. But, then, but then Jerry said it was more. He, well, but then Jerry said it was 71. And I was like, what was well, it? Well, does include penalties? <laughs> but what was that, though? He played 70 plus snaps. There we go. Mm-hmm. We're there. And we. A year ago would have been surprised if he got to 70 in a five-game stretch. <laughs> so yeah. this is insane what he's doing, and the level he's doing it at is, you know, that's just While he says he's still not 100% on that Stock knee. up. Who's oh, stuck in the stock watch, baby? Stock watch. Yeah. 
That's against the rules. You've been disqualified from the game. Shoot. You're out. None of those were actually facts from Berm. He put all of his emotion into it, and then he undermined himself. The underminer. Ah, I suck at games like this. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't, it's not even really a game. I don't know why. Yeah, what did we win? Where are the, who won? You win. The, points? the opportunity to come back into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center later on on Wednesday, Bill. Okay. And we'll talk to some players, and we'll have some snappy Jays. Uh, there's Buck IQ coming this week. There's... Uh, the Ohio State Pick Show. There's some more Kings of Columbus, I believe. What? Yeah, you, Wednesday we're gonna take some texter questions. Text questions. The plan. Yeah. You never know what happens on the recruiting front. Maybe some news this week. Whoa! Huh. Whoa. Whoa! Really? You this just guy. Don't know. Huh. This guy. Look at him. You just never know in recruiting. Wow. That's the beauty of the <sighs> whole recruiting world. Wow! What a tease! It's just, it's just yeah. constantly. Maybe. <laughs> maybe it's up there with Ryan Day's 2021 thoughts. Got it. It's recruiting. You're welcome. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. Thank you for joining us uh, on the podcast daily to start your Wednesday or whenever you watched it. Uh, stay tuned for a lot more coverage coming on the podcast. Uh, those were the things that we know. Uh, and if we're wrong, so be it. We'll try again next week. That's Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. See you later.